Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Elite Eight Weekend. Elite Eight Weekend. I don't know if it's a thing. We're here to make it a thing. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Early odds with you earlier than the usual 8 to 9 a.m. hour here on the Score because BetQL's countdown to tip off 7 to 9. So we've got you covered with sports betting angles over the next three hours. A potpourri of topics over this hour, including college hoops, the 2022 Major League Baseball season, and the National Football League. Now joining me on Early Odds Saturday morning, right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score, a friend of the show and the station. His name is Ben Heisler, managing editor for BetSided. Find him on Twitter at Benny Heiss. And Ben, you would uh, make the assumption, sitting here talking March 26, as we have the Elite Eight, we're going to have the Final Four at the end of this weekend. Of course, we're going to start with college basketball. That's how the conversation about sports betting is going to be dominated. I don't know. Uh, NFL decided, hey, we're going to take over March as well now for this 12-month sport. How you doing, man? Good to hear from you, Joe. And uh, yeah, I, I I was actually stunned. I figured you wanted to talk nothing but Bears win totals in the <laughs> middle of March with me, and we were just going to you know geek out on that. But no, craziness happening in the NFL, but I kind of feel like that's their MO, right? Like Tom Brady said he was coming back, like, what, 30 minutes after the brackets came out? Screw that guy. <laughs> well, some of our regular listeners will know that you are from the Chicagoland area, and you've been in the Kansas City area for quite some time. So I want to start with the Chiefs and the reaction there to Tyreek Hill. Tell us, is this what it looks like when you hit on the quarterback, you pay the quarterback, you go all in on some other impactful position and you pay those positions? Is that what it is? Or was it just, you know, Tyreek just uh, wanted wanted too much here? I think it's a combination of both. You had a situation where the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill According to multiple reports, and, and Drew Rosenhaus actually confirmed this uh, on a Miami radio station, I think it was an Odyssey station over in Miami, they basically had a deal in place to make him a very well-paid wide receiver. I think at that time, it would have made him the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. And then the Devontae Adams deal came along and blew all of that out of the water and basically gave him quarterback money, to which Drew Rosenhaus being the the smart, uh, shifty agent that he is, um, decided to come back to the Chiefs and said, listen, Tyreek Hill, you got him at a fifth round price in the draft. Then when we signed the extension, uh, there were some other issues going on and we gave you a discount there. No more discounts anymore. He's got one year left on this current deal. Either you pay the man or you send him to another team that will make him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And to your point, Joe, the Chiefs knew that they had several more issues to take care of. They needed some more depth 
at that position. They needed some more draft capital. They need an edge rusher very badly. Uh, corner is still a potential issue for them as well. So I think it was a combination of them realizing that they just didn't want to make Tyreek the number one paid wide receiver in the NFL, knowing that all the money is likely coming up with Mahomes. And, and to Brett Veach's credit, the general manager, he's done a really good job of finding a way to maneuver the salary cap, even with Mahomes making you know almost $45 million a year. But I think it just, kind of, it just came time to the point where they said, we can still retool and try to have as much of a competitive roster. It's Andy Reid, so he's had multiple wide receivers be successful. But again, Tyree Kill is elite. Like losing him is going to matter. You can't you can't bring in Marquez Valdez Scantling from Green Bay and say, "All right, we got our guy." It's just not going to work out like that. But I, I think they came to the realization that they didn't want to be hamstrung by having to pay Tyree Kill and not be able to shore up other key parts of the rest of the team. Timing is curious for a lot of the reasons that you just stated. And even after all of that, while the Dolphins' odds take a nosedive, at some spots they go from 70 to 1 down to 40 to 1 for the Super Bowl. A conference odds nearly cut in half. We've seen 35 down to 20. What happened with the Chiefs? Minimal movement. Plus 850 to plus 900, plus 400 to plus 500 for the conference. Not all that much, but... The shifting in the division is fascinating because along with the timing of everything going on inside the Chiefs organization, the Chargers you expect to be better. The Broncos got a whole lot better adding Russell Wilson. And then the Raiders division odds were cut in half from 12 to 6 after adding Devontae Adams. It's a fascinating division, and I still look at the Raiders as being several pieces away. I, In fact, I actually wrote an article over at BetSided uh, a couple weeks ago that after, you know, Russell Wilson went to Denver, that maybe the Raiders at this point in time, knowing that you have to deal with Mahomes, knowing that Khalil Mack uh, and Joey Bosa, and Justin Herbert are now with the Chargers. Maybe if you're the Raiders, you consider just doing a full on rebuild and moving Derek Carr when the quarterback market was off the chain. And now it's obviously since settled down and you have guys like, like Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo, where you're just not sure where they're going to go. Yes, Devontae Adams is an incredible talent. They have some good weapons on that offense, but Raiders still were, I think, a bottom six DVOA defense last year. Like, there's still plenty of holes on this team, despite the fact that they made the postseason. And I know that you're bringing in Josh McDaniels in a new regime, but I, I just don't think you're there. And conversely, with, with Denver, yes, Russell Wilson makes them likely a playoff team, but that defense actually had more holes than than people let on. I think Fangio mm -hmm. hit a little bit of that. Kind of a bit of an overrated defense in Denver. But now, if you assume that Russell Wilson can make those pieces on the offensive side of the ball work, then yeah, you're talking about another premier offense in the AFC. Obviously, with the Chiefs, when you have Mahomes, you're always going to be in every single game. And now that they have more draft capital and more money to spend to try and fix some of those holes, they'll still remain competitive. And then, of course, the Chargers with arguably a top five quarterback in Herbert and a very, very dangerous defense. It's a fascinating division. And it's part of the reason why when I'm looking at futures, I have to say to myself, like, do I even want anything to do with any of these AFC teams, specifically the AFC West, because they will beat the hell out of each other all season long. If there's one futures play that I like, and you, you can't even find it at this price now, I, I got it just before the trade went through. Kind of like Indianapolis. Indianapolis was at 1.28 to one. I think they're now down to 
Oh, I saw 20... thir- 35 down to 25 right after the Matt Ryan trade. Yes. Okay. So, so 35, that was a better deal than what I could found. It's now 25 to one over, over at points bed. That to me, I still think that's fairly reasonable because of how solid they are on both sides of the ball. And if you're going to play in a division in the AFC, Joe, the AFC South is about as comfortable of a division as you could possibly find. And I do think Matt Ryan still has a little bit left in the tank. He was playing behind a terrible offensive line. You basically got rid of all of his playmakers um, in Atlanta over the last couple of years or so. I still think he has something to prove. Far better line. You can still use the running game to help set things up for him. And they were ready to give up on Carson Wentz before the meltdown against Jacksonville. So now that Ballard finally has their guy, now that Frank Reich has a reliable, steady option at the quarterback spot, um, I, I do think they can be a bit of a dangerous team just because it's the easiest path to the postseason. And I do think that matters going into the postseason as well. Usually this time of the year, we have it all figured out before the football happens. That's right. And the list is maybe seven or eight teams can make the playoffs. Okay, we're early in the process. We don't know about any surprises yet. And you could line up 12 teams that you could tell me any uh, 12 make the playoffs and say, yeah, I could see it. I could see it. You go right down the line. It's, uh, it's wild. The only ones that you'd omit probably right now are the Jaguars, Jets, and Texans. Okay, Buffalo, KC, in any order, that's how every uh, odds maker has the top of the AFC. That makes sense. Bigger overreaction. Cleveland, now the third favorite in the AFC, or Denver with Russell Wilson, now the fourth favorite in the AFC? Yeah, I'd still probably say Denver, just because there's still a lot of holes on that defense. And I know that Cortland Sutton is... is tweeting out videos of Russell Wilson throwing him the ball, but the last couple of years have, have been rough for him. I don't know how much you can put on him versus the rest of the quarterback situation. And again, it's the division is going to be brutal. You can maybe make the same argument for Cleveland in the AFC North with, you know, a far improved Cincinnati team. Although I, I do see some regression coming for them. Um, I, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is going to lead the Steelers to the promised land, even though <laughs> right. I know, especially in Chicago, coming on and saying that, you know, his Mitchell Trubisky kid, I don't, I don't know if it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's a tough division. And, and Baltimore, I think, will be improved. But again, that was another team that had a lot of holes in it last year. The AFC West, I, I think, unequivocally is the best division in the NFL. And I don't know if the Broncos are better than the Chargers. Um, and then we still, I think, expect the Chiefs to be that top team in that division. They've only won it, what, six, seven years in a row under Andy Reid. I, I think their path to get to the postseason is already very challenging. And even if they do, they're probably getting in as a wild card, if not one of the final wild card spots. So I, I think Cleveland does have pieces that could win the AFC North. I don't believe Denver is there yet. It's been an amazing offseason, and we'll get to the college basketball in a moment. But I saw the first Bears win total pop yesterday. Ben, I was I was floored. I couldn't believe it. Uh, seven and a half for this oh, team. No. Easier schedule. They're avoiding the West and North in the AFC. They get the East. They get the East in the NFC as well. I understand Devontae leaves. You think it's a little bit softer. Look at the depth chart. I don't <laughs> see it even with the field's leap. This is not seven and a half. Yes tad bit high in a spot that they've basically said, you know what, we're, we're going to make that the salary cap transition year. 
and, and by the way, like Ryan Paul's, it, I'm gonna he go got out at the right time, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I was about to say this, and then I realized, God, this this might be interpreted the wrong way in in my 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 former hometown. But you remember how Theo, when he came in in, in 2012, basically said, "We're we're gonna stink, but but here's what we're going to do." along the way so that eventually we don't stink anymore mm-hmm. like ryan Poles has basically delivered on what he said he was going to do they said they weren't going to be major spenders in free agency obviously they made the offer to ogan joby but I, I think that was sort of their their lester type play if you will a guy that's going to come in be that key part of that new 4-3 defense played in a Super Bowl the season before, like that was going to be sort of that character guy that you build that defense around. And obviously it didn't work out, but they they haven't spent a ton of money in free agency. They've been very smart about their decisions. They're taking some flyers on some high upside guys. Like they, that's kind of what he said he was going to do. And he's actually done it, which is nice because the previous regime, like it's nice to see a regime, Joe, that, you know, has a plan compared to a regime that never really had one to begin with. And when they said they had one, then obviously the plans would change. So yeah, seven and a half feels a bit high again, Green Bay. I'm not sure who Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to, but he still could very much win MVP. That's just kind of Bears aren't winning either of those games. <laughs> They're not winning any of those games. He's still going to have his ownership tag on. Yeah. Um, the Vikings, I, I still find to be interesting. We'll see what ultimately happens there with that new regime as well. And then the Lions. Who knows? Like Lions might end up winning a few more games this year as well. But I, I'm not banking on Chicago winning more than seven and a half games. It it doesn't feel like it's a super underplay. Like I have them probably projected for about six, seven wins. It's not as if they're a three or four win team, but yeah, seven and a half did feel a tad bit high to me as well. Too much, too much. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, the score. My guest is Ben Heisler from BetSided. And Ben, the other day we had your colleague, Ian McMillan on the show. And (laughs) oh boy, what is happening with Ian? He's in trouble, so, isn't he? He's he is. in trouble. He's in trouble. So I'm going to play the audio in our next segment, which I think is hilarious. But why don't you explain to the audience what happened on one of the bet-sided shows? We did a live stream a couple days before the NCAA men's tournament got started. Um, you know, going through some some Final Four futures and some plays that we liked on, on both the men's and the women's side. Uh, and our own Peter Dewey. Uh, was a fan of Arkansas for a wide variety of reasons. And that floored uh, Ian McMillan over at bedside. It just completely floored him to the point where he got up from his seat, walked right up to the webcam and basically just said to himself, Arkansas is garbage. If the Razorbacks make it to the final four, I'll get a tattoo of a Razorback. He said it. I don't think he realized the gravity of the situation at the time. He had him losing to Vermont, by the way, Joe, in the first round. Yes. Um, and he kept on saying, like, nope, nope, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. And now, of course, they've beaten Gonzaga. They're playing for a trip to go to the Final Four against Duke. Uh, good for Eric Musselman, by the way, continuing to uh, you know really, really solidify himself as a very solid coach at the collegiate level. But, yes, my coworker now one win away. Just – a small town Nova Scotia guy goes to Brooklyn, <laughs> gets that brash New York personality over the course of the last six uh-huh. months. And now he is one win away from getting Razorback tattoo to which his girlfriend, by the way, has already told him you are not getting this tattoo. Uh, but yep. he's the man of his word. He's going to stick to it. I offered him an out 
Joe. I said, I did. I said, um, you would need to, to write a parody song confessing your love for the University of Arkansas. That would be forever attached to you. There'd be some level of permanence there. Um, and he said, no deal. He's, he's going through with it. So are there size, be- are there size requirements here? No size requirements. I, like, I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to be like, it's not going to take up his entire back. It should. <laughs> the hog. Let's go. Is there a worse logo of the team still alive to get tattooed to your body? I don't think there is. I, get that I'd, hog. I'd rather, I, I'm not a tattoo guy personally, but I think I'd rather have a hog than a blue devil. <laughs> well, there you go. And that leads us to the matchup later today. Duke against Arkansas. Blue devils favored by four. Now, we're all having fun with it. We all hope that he has to get this tattoo, I guess, because but that means we have to root for Coach K to go to the Final Four, and we get another week of that. So that's fascinating. But to beat Gonzaga and Duke in back-to-back games, that's a that's a tall ask here. Yes, and, and probably why I'll actually be betting on the under instead. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I just think, like, you're right. Like, both of these games... Uh, were exhausting. You had Arkansas go up against Gonzaga, the number one team in the country. Um, and all three of their games have been fairly close throughout. Like Arkansas kind of plays like this exhausting style of basketball where, you know, a couple of years ago, they were a terrific offensive team and then changing with their personnel. Uh, they became, uh, you know, the number 11 adjusted defensive efficiency team over at Kembaum this year. Like they're a really good defensive team. They close out really well. They limit opportunistic shots. Um, and, and they did that in that game against Gonzaga. Gonzaga had an awful shooting night, um, but I think Arkansas's defense certainly played a role there. And then conversely with Duke, they were on fire in the second half against the number one defense in the country. So I'm kind of looking at it and saying, like, now you have a short turnaround. Playing against Texas Tech is exhausting. I, I just see both of these teams not making a lot of shots in the Elite Eight uh, and probably playing a game that's maybe in the the 60s, possibly the, the, the low 70s at that. Total right yeah. now sitting at about 147, I believe. To me, that just feels like it's a great underplay knowing that, that Duke isn't going to make those types of shots again against another very good defense, and Arkansas already plays slow anyway. Like the total in that game against Gonzaga was at 155. You know, Duke kind of has a, a similar profile from an efficiency standpoint. So I, I like Duke to to win that game. Um, I think the tattoo dream ends in the Elite Eight, but uh, I, I very much like the under in that game at 147. It is all lined up, Duke, hasn't it? I, I think everybody was realizing that. Disgusting. Back on Thursday night. You mentioned they're shooting in the second half against the number one defense in the country. Duke shot 71%. It's remarkable what happened there. I mean, they did not miss a bucket. In the last 8.55 of the game, they didn't miss a shot. Dude, yeah. crazy. Uh, the run they went on against Michigan State to close the game, 20-6. to six. Remember, they were trailing by five with five minutes left. They closed out on Thursday against Texas Tech with a 12-5 to five run. <laughs> so there are a lot of things. Maybe he won't have to get that tattoo. I like Duke to win as well in this matchup. And then the other one that we have, we've got Houston-Villanova. I'm hoping for Houston. I'm holding on to a 50 to one for the title. And uh, I've got final four futures as well. And Houston fascinating the five seed against the two seed. And the betting market says committee, you guys really messed up. The five seed is better. And they're favored by two against Nova. 
Yeah, I, and I really liked Nova to win that region initially, but I also thought, you know, Illinois would, would play a better game against Houston than they did. Uh, they got destroyed on the glass. Like, Houston is a very, very talented offensive rebounding team, really physical. Like, they kind of remind me of, of Arkansas in that sense from the defensive side of the ball, where they'll just get up on you and they'll press you and they'll annoy the hell out of you. Um, and I think they've had to play that way because they lost their their top seven scores from a season ago. I don't mind Villanova in this spot as an underdog, although the, the bet-sided team collectively came together for yet another live stream last week. Um, and we all ended up deciding on Houston to win our second chance bracket. But I, I really do like Villanova because if you're going to play against a team like Houston, Villanova actually sets up very well because they play slow, yet they're a, a top 20 or top 15, I believe, offensive efficiency team. They're the number one free throw shooting team in the country, just under 84%, top 20 in three-point shooting. Like They'll spread the court, and teams normally don't like to play slow against Houston because they know that from a defensive standpoint, like that's kind of what they want. But Villanova's style already sets up that way anyway. Um, they've been really impressive to me in the tournament. And and Jay Wright's a terrific coach, as is Kelvin Sampson. So uh -huh. another defensive game very much expected. The total right now is gross. It's like at 128 or 128 and a half. Um, so it's not going to be appointment television from an offensive uh, standpoint. But I, I do think Villanova can pull away, especially with their their free throw percentage again top team in the country houston bottom 100 in college basketball if it comes down to a close game i think that gives a slight edge to villanova to get to the line and be efficient there so yeah. i don't mind taking the underdog here yeah if we're wiping out the regular season resumes even not even thinking about the conference tournaments just the play that we've seen in the tournament thus far houston's number one with a bullet they're the best looking team in the country right now will yep. it continue for a fourth game not quite sure I, I would lean that way, but I am biased. And yeah, it's a low total, but with the pace of these two teams, give me the under, Betty. I mean, I, I've got to. There's no way I'm touching the over in this one. Uh, terrific. Calvin Sampson, just be at this point, losing two of his top players, both guards. And we know how important guard play is this time of the year. Uh, to lose those guys in December and to still reach this point, uh, Jay Wright, third elite eight in six years. What a matchup that's going to be later today. So it's terrific. I, I'm on the favorites, but uh, I really hate being on the favorites, but that's that's how I'm siding. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be fantastic and a lot of drama for all you bet-sided people. It's going to be great. Yes, we will be anxiously watching every single moment of that game. And I imagine Ian will probably get some sort of a live stream going as well. Oh, you better. Better eat, eat all the attention up. Uh, will there be a live stream on the tattoo if that happens? 100%. I, okay. will, I, will, I will force my hand as managing editor to make I, sure that happens. I talked, and, and, you talked and about Ian's that the king of the content. Yes, he would do it. Yeah. Oh, King of the. Oh, yeah, yeah. He loves. He loves every second of it. He's the first to retweet anything <laughs> involving himself. I mean, come on, uh, Ben Heisler at Benny Heis. Check out his work over at BetSided. Ben, thank you for your time this morning. Talk again soon. All right. You got it, my friend. We'll hear from the aforementioned Ian McMillan. And Dolphins fans seem to be over the moon about a wide receiver. Still don't have a quarterback, right? You're listening to Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturday mornings, usually 8 to 9 on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score listener line is open 24-7, 365 and powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. 
Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score. Follow me, tweet me, at Joe0670, at Joe0670. A pair of regular gambling guests on my weekday show, BetQL Daily. Ian McMillan of BetSided and David Behrman of ESPN. They each felt the highest of highs and the lowest of lows with their favorite NFL team. We'll go negative first. And Bears fans, keep in mind that it could always be worse. You could be a Falcons fan hearing 28-3 to every day. Atlanta didn't go quarterback with the fourth pick last year, which helped the Bears land Justin Fields. So thank you, Falcons, as well. They waited, and now they need to draft one in a poor QB draft. Smart. Here's McMillan on his Dirty Birds plan, and we have a laugh over the tattoo wager. Ah, oh, man. I, 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 I truly don't know, to be honest. This is the first time i felt like this as a Falcons fan since, when was it, 2007? when Bobby Petrino walked out on us and just left a handwritten note in the locker room and they just left uh, to go to Arkansas. Like, this is the worst for the franchise and then 28-3 to blown lead. Like, what this management has done, they alienated both the fan base and the relationship with the greatest Falcon of all time by going after a troubled-to-say-the-least player in Deshaun Watson, and then they blew that, didn't even get the deal done, and now they've angered both their fan base and then they had to trade away, uh, like I said, the greatest Falcon quarterback to ever live uh, because of, 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 the, of the mess they made. So I'm happy for Matt Ryan. Uh, he's going to go to a team that actually has a shot to win a Super Bowl, unlike the Falcons who won't even sniff the playoffs for probably another decade. Uh, but I guess uh, wake up today. It's a new day. It's a new era for Falcons football. Onward and upward, I suppose, is, is really all I can say. Because other than that, I'll just, I'll just get depressed. Ian, I can't imagine that Arthur Smith, a guy viewed as an offensive mastermind, his big plan was, okay, I'll deal with the veteran for one year, and then in year two, I'm going to get my guy, and I'm going to target Marcus Mariota. So I assume they're going to bring in somebody else for the draft. Would you have been happier with uh, some of the other quarterbacks available? I, I don't know that Jimmy G or Baker make much sense. What do you think about the starting quarterback for week one? Who is that going to be in? What is the plan? I think at this point, I mean, just let Marcus Mariota start, see what happens. Because, I mean, we don't have the team to even come close to competing this season anyways. Uh, I was reading a report earlier today that uh, the, the Falcons have to eat so much dead cap space this year because of the Matt Ryan trade. But then their cap uh, completely opens up in 2023. So I think what their plan is is just to toss in Marcus Mariota, uh, kind of a, a low-risk, high-reward kind of situation. Um, and then just kind of start rebuilding the team next year when we actually have cap space to deal with. Because uh, not only do we have holes in basically every single position on the team, we have absolutely no cap space to work with. So uh, I think 2022 is just a wash. I think that's kind of how they're looking at it. They signed a, a cheap Marcus Mariota, and we'll just kind of start from scratch in 2023. So I didn't think I was that invested in the West, but then I found out, oh, I am invested. Because one Ian McMillan said, not win the championship, but if the Arkansas Razorbacks can make the final four, that you're going to get a hog? You're going to get a Razorbacks tattoo? Yeah, of course, me being, uh, I had to open my big mouth. My coworker Peter Dewey said on a video for Betsided last week that he had Arkansas in the final four, and I thought that was such a ridiculous pick 
Uh, like I said, me and my big mouth had to open it and say I'd get an Arkansas tat- or a Razorback tattoo if they do make the Final Four. I was extremely confident that Vermont was going to beat them in the opening round. That was one of my favorite picks. Uh, and they almost did, came close, couldn't quite pull it off. And then Arkansas struggled against New Mexico State in the second round. Still won, though. So here we are heading into the Sweet 16. I'm going to be sweating this bet uh, <laughs> quite a bit now. I mean, they, But I, I didn't think they'd make it this far. Uh, and the tattoo is permanent. So I, I am regretting opening my mouth, but I am a man of my word. If they find, if they do get there, I will have to get a Razorback, Razorback tattoo somewhere on my body, hopefully in a spot that's a little bit more hidden. Do you have any tattoos? Do I? No, this would be my first tattoo, which makes it even worse. <laughs> oh, man. Where are you going to put it? Have you thought about it? Tramp stamp. I sit maybe on the top of my foot, so it's going to be hidden for like 98% of my life. <laughs> no, no, because you go to the beach, you got to explain the hog on your foot. Ian, no. let me tell you, so we uh, in Philadelphia on WIP, there was a bit, our afternoon host, when, when Carson Wentz went down in 2017, he said if Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl, he'll get Nick Foles tattooed on his back. So he went through with it. And he thought it was going to be a really small thing. And I actually was filling in for him live from the tattoo parlor as he got the tattoo that day. He had no idea how big it was going to be. His entire back is <laughs> covered in Nick Foles oh, holding up the trophy. So if this happens, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. Have you thought about like your whole life having the Razorbacks on your body? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crossed my mind quite often this week, to be completely honest. I really didn't want to have to think about this all week. I was really hoping they'd lose in the first weekend, but yeah, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, this will be a disaster. My girlfriend has already said that uh, I'm not allowed to get the tattoo, so I might even have to sneak out and get it in secret and hope she doesn't break up with me. So this is going to be a disaster. Please, please. I'm sure she won't notice the Razorback pig on I your back. <laughs> no, she probably won't, Joe G. She won't even notice the red pig. Uh, <laughs> no big deal. It's going to be in a bad place today, man. Freaking out over every Arkansas point. I'd consider quitting. I seriously would. Okay, so Ian McMillan of Betsided also hates his Falcons. Tough times for Ian, man. What's it like being a Dolphins fan right now? New coach, additions all over the offense for said head coach slash play caller. Here's our pal David Behrman from ESPN Chalk on BetQL Daily. I went to bed two nights ago excited that we got our offensive lineman and all-pro guy in Armstead. I'm like, all right, two has finally got a, a guy up top that he can block for him, and we already got some running backs, and we got Cedric Wilson and Devontae Parker, and all of a sudden Dolphins and Jets for Tyreek Hill, and I'm like, well, we're going to win this one. Uh, blown away by the fact that we got Tyreek Hill. I had said on this show, I've said on other shows all along, that you can't truly judge Tua until you give him weapons to work with and a coach to work with, and surround him with the right line. And, I mean, every quarterback needs a line and weapons. There are some who can do more with less. That's also true. You look at what this Dolphins offense is going to be, and and trust me when I tell you guys, for the last 20 years, ever since Dan Marino retired, like, there's been no offense. It's been dink and dunk and boring and three and out, and it's been not the most exciting football to watch. Even if the Dolphins aren't great next year, they're still going to be exciting to watch when you have, Two of the fastest players in the NFL in Mostert and Hill. You got Waddle. He's fast as well. They're going to be exciting to watch. And as far as the price is concerned, you mentioned five draft picks. And 
I'll, I'll be blunt and honest. The Dolphins haven't used draft picks to any success any time recently other than Jalen Waddell. So if you can't use them, spend them. There's no Tyreek Hill in this draft. So in my mind, they just basically drafted Tyreek Hill with the 29 pick in the first round. But you also still have picks. You didn't dump all of all of the future picks that you've collected. So was the first purchase Mike McDaniel coach of the year or Tua MVP? Uh, neither. I just went and doubled down on my <laughs> Dolphins futures that I had at 70 to 1 before it continued dropping. I grabbed it at 50, and then I also grabbed the division price. And while, while the, you know, the Buffalo Bills are still the cream of the crop in that division, the fact that the Dolphins have a legit chance, and they were plus 340 at one point yesterday, I did grab a division price before it continued to move as all these things move whenever you have trades. Um, not going to go with Tua for MVP. He's not there yet. Let him at least complete a season first. Uh, Coach of the year is not a bad one. Um, Haven't seen that market up much, but that's not a bad one. If the Dolphins can turn around and somehow win the division, he could easily win Coach of the Year. Opposite ends of the spectrum there. Miami gives up a haul, but David Behrman pleased with his fins. And Ian McMillan not pleased with his Falcons, but he needs to worry about Duke. Cubs and Sox win totals are on the move. I'll explain next with Jim Miller from Points Bet and Hawthorne. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Usually here Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m., a little earlier during the tournament. This is 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Now you can sign up and start betting in seconds from anywhere with PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. All new customers will get risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome back. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, the score. And as we inch closer and closer to opening day, we've got to talk about it with our friend Jim Miller from PointsBet and Hawthorne race course and before we get to the hardball gym we've got to bring up that uh, you were a little bit better than me in the march madness survivor pool but not good enough to get out of the first weekend i thought i had played it right too joe i was i was good through the first three days i'm going to the fourth day there's less than 20 percent of the people left i'm like okay auburn's got to be a shoe and this was a team ranked number one at one point during the ncaa season you talk about laying an egg it was worse, so bad. Their big men were combined two for 19 from the field. You're not going to win games that way, and they ended up getting blown out. So sad times for March Madness. Uh, so no part of you was rooting for the Chicago guy, Charlie Moore, in that matchup? No, no part of me at all. My part of me was worried about my, <laughs> my pocket. <laughs> all right, very good. And last week, we hit on the win totals that are posted over at points bet for the two teams in town. And those are on the move a little bit. I uh, want to start with the Sox or Cubs. What do you think? You call it. You know, let's start with the Cubs because it was a little okay. bit bigger move. And I really don't get it. When we talked last week, they were anywhere between 72 and a half and 73 and a half for victories. Now the number's up to 75 and a half. Yep. What have the Cubs done in the last week to get even two games better than they were a week ago? I just, I don't see it, Joe. Well, points bet is on the high end. So if you are looking to play under on the Cubs, you definitely should be betting with points bet. And so I reached out to their trader. You know him, Jay Croucher. Fantastic guy. He gave me a a very good answer on this. And uh, you tell me, are you buying and selling? Don't worry. You're not going to get in trouble if you want to sell his comment on why they raised this number two full victories. Uh, But here's here's what he told me with the Jay Croucher flair. He said, mainly, 
It's about how dire the rest of the NL Central is, particularly with the Reds kindly withdrawing from the division race with their <laughs> shambolic moves and non-moves. Brewers didn't really get any better. Cardinals likely get a little worse, particularly with Flaherty on the shelf. And the Reds are losing Winker, Castellanos, Gray, Suarez, and those wins need to be redistributed somewhere in the division. So they gave a little bit of that to the Cubs, bumping them from 73 and a half to 75 and a half, buying or selling. Sell, 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 sell. And so, so you're not thinking just because everybody else is getting worse, it doesn't mean it's going to help the Cubs in any way. Well, here's the thing you got to take in regard. Last year for half of the season, the Cubs had Bryant. They had Rizzo. They had Baez. And they still couldn't win games, so mm -hmm. they got worse, too. You think about it, okay, teams, it's really hard to lose over 100 games in a season also. So the Reds, maybe they're going to be around that 62 and 100 mark. But you know what? That means they're going to win 62. The only teams they're probably going to beat are the Cubs, are the Pirates, those type of teams. I, I think the three bottom-feeding teams in that division – beat each other up, and then I think mm -hmm. the Cardinals just sit there. I think the Cardinals are going to absolutely run away with the division. Under or nothing. I can't go over on this. I don't, no, I don't no. care how bad everybody else got. It is under or nothing. All right, you want to hit it's on your socks? Socks number one up to 92 and a half. And here's the yeah. thing for me on that. You look back at last year, the Sox had a good season. They, they were good. They won 93 games last year. Now, all of a sudden, the last week, the Twins got better picking up Carlos Correa. You have to look at the rest of the division. We think the Tigers are going to be better. The Indians, all, they're kind of like the Cardinals of the American League. They always find a way to be relevant. So I still think the Sox win the division. I just don't know if they're going to get to that 93 victory mark. I don't know if they're going to get to the 91 victory mark, but I still think they win the division. So, of course, they have the highest win total in the division at 92 and a half. But not only do they have the highest in the division, it is tied for the highest in the American League with Houston and everybody's favorite team this year, which is now making me want to take a step back a little bit. You're Jays. I, I was on them last year. I, I was on them immediately. But as you lose Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon as well, very valuable players. I, I know they supplemented the roster and they have young guys that are only going to improve, but they are the, the hot team that everybody's jumping on. It concerns me a little bit. A lot of times when you get that team with all that buzz in the offseason, how many times do they meet those expectations in the regular season? Not a whole lot. And look at that division. I mean, regardless, it's still the Yankees. It's still the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. It's still the Rays. It's, it's still a really good division. I mean, you, you know that that's kind of like the NFL version of an MLB division. There's parity in that division every single year. I think Toronto is a very good team, but again, 92 and a half is a big number. That means that you're playing over 20 games, over 22 games, over 500. That's a lot of winning, and it's not that easy to do. Most fascinating part is right now, players like Sale, like Aaron Judge, can't travel to Toronto. Right. And I think that's what's moving the number up. I agree I think with the COVID you. metrics. I think the COVID rules are moving that number up because that's probably going to be in place for Toronto even longer than it is in New York. And because of that, that really could change just what the competition is for a lot of these games. Okay. The, the interesting part of the American League Central is not about the White Sox. We're always interested in that number and where it's going and how people are betting on it, of course. But I'm looking at the rest, Jim. 
You go from sportsbook to sportsbook, shop these win totals, you're going to find disagreement. Some think the Twins with Correa are the second-best team in the Central, and there are some books that are pricing the Detroit Tigers as the second-best team, second-highest win total. What do you think? It's got to be the Twins to me. I mean, the Tigers, yes, they're on the come. They're the team that's improving. They're the team that's building for the future. They're not there yet. That doesn't mean that they're not going to improve. The Twins haven't given up. They don't think their window's gone. You're not signing Carlos Correa if you think you're outside of that window. I think the Twins are the second-best team. I think they're going to give the White Sox a run for their money, at least for a little bit this season, but eventually I do think the Sox pull away. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. My weekly contributor, Jim Miller, Hawthorne Race Course and Points Bet Sportsbook on the horn. Jim, I know you wanted to hit on home run leader and MVP as we take a quick gander over there. Home run leader last year, we had a tie at the top. Vlad Jr. had 48 bombs, but so did Salvi Perez from Kansas City. That was a shocker. Otani finished only two back. Marcus Simeon no longer with the Jays. He finished three back. That Salvi Perez number is a perfect example on why you should keep up with this and continue to check in throughout the regular season. He was well into triple digits middle of the year. And then there was a week when he just went on a tear and he did not stop. So Salvi Perez tickets uh, winners for a lot of people after finishing with 48 dingers. And you're right. This is a category, Joe, that I think you wait on. We talked about it with Cy Young last year. This is a similar type of thing because you can find value throughout the course of the season. Vlad doesn't provide any value right now at 7-1. to one. Shohei Otani at 13-1 to one, maybe because there's a rule basically made specifically for him to remain in a game when he's pulled from pitch and that he can still swing. But right now, I think you do have to wait and see. See who starts out hot. See what teams start out hot. But you also have to watch for injuries. You can wait till the All-Star break, Joe, and I still think you can find some value in this category. And if you're looking at some of these projection systems, you think you're going to have one up on the books. Oh, I'm going to look at Zips. I'm going to look at Steamer. No, no, no. If they're anywhere near the top 20 in the home run projections, the number's probably under 20 to 1. So there's absolutely no value. But if they have a slow start to the season, no home runs, they fall five back, all of a sudden you'll get a much more enticing number. And we know how these things can change and players can go on absolute tears in uh, months over the summer. You watch for those tears because look at the ballparks. Look where the ball's going to fly. I mean, you know, here in Chicago, the ball flies a whole lot better when it gets warmer out. Maybe a guy like Eloy, who's 30 to 1 to open the season, starts out hot. And then you know he's going to be even hotter as the season goes. What about a guy like Chris Bryant? He just went to Colorado. He hit 25 last year, but you know he has some power. But again, he's only 20 to 1 right now. I don't think the value is there. I just think you have to wait. Uh, what about Kyle Schwarber, another former Cub, Philadelphia? Philadelphia, and you know he's going to get a ton of that bats. This is a guy that missed a lot of games last year with injuries, but he also had probably one of the hottest home run streaks of the year. And he's a guy, he's an all or nothing swinger. He's not trying to just bloop the ball over the left side of the infield. He's, he, he's swinging for the downs and he's a guy that I think will produce quite a bit. Uh, Jim, as far as a home run leader, uh, you can tell your friends over at points bet that you can uh, remove Tatis as a second favorite. Really? What do you think he's going to be? What's going on with <laughs> Fernando? Is he riding a motorcycle again? I'm just, my goodness. I don't want to bet on him for any award I'm just based on his response of which motorcycle accident. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and that's a scary thing because you, when you're making bad decisions, bad decisions are eventually going to catch up with you. I would stay far, far away from that. You know what? 
I'd stay away from Vlad at seven to one. I'd stay away actually from anyone in that category right now at 20 to one or under. All right, Jim, next week on the show, it's going to be our final uh, episode here of early odds before opening day. So we're going to have to have all our division plays, futures, awards, all that stuff set, at least the preseason numbers. And uh, we will, of course, keep up with this throughout the season. You got it. We'll look at some MVP stuff, too, and see if we can find some value there. Oh, before I forget, any horses? You know what? We got three horses to look at all at fairgrounds. It's a big day at fairgrounds. So we're going to bet the first two across the board. Race nine, bet the one promise keeper across the board. Race 10, bet the three Devamani across the board. And then race 12 is the Louisiana Derby. Winner of this race goes to the Kentucky Derby. Bet the six horse epicenter to win. All right, Jim, enjoy the next two days of the madness and uh, your wagers on them. All right. That's right. I'm ready. I'm cheering for two teams. I don't care what happens with anyone else. Jim Miller from PointsBet Sportsbook and Hawthorne Racecourse. Appreciate Ben Heisler for dropping by earlier this hour for some NFL and college hoops chatter. Big swings in the NFL markets. The Bears win total seven and a half. Curious to say the least. If you missed our conversation, use a rewind feature on the Odyssey app or just check out the Early Odds of Joe Ostrowski podcast. Join me weekdays on BetQL Daily, 8 to 11 a.m., 105.9 FM HG2, or on the Odyssey app under BetQL Network. And there's also BetQL Twitch live stream, 8 to 11 a.m., and podcasts of every segment always posted. Just search and subscribe to BetQL Daily. And there's my hits throughout the week right here on 670 The Score. BetQL's countdown to tip off with my guy Nick Costos is next inside the clubhouse at nine. A reminder, I'm here with early odds, six to seven a.m. through next week. Then we're going to move back to our regular eight to nine a.m. slot. Cash some tickets on the Elite Eight and keep it locked here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.